Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Father, we come before you today. God is thankfully and humbly, Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be able to be in church. And Lord, what a wonderful, what a wonderful day it's been today already. <clears throat> Lord, what a great end to the week you gave us last week. And Lord, it's already looking, Lord, Lord, already looking like a great week uh, this week. Lord, we thank you, God, that as we come in today on the first day of the week, Lord, that we realize that you have the ability to do great and mighty things in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, <clears throat> this morning we come before you, Lord, asking for you to help us with your word. Teach us, instruct us, Lord God. Challenge us, convict us, Lord. I pray, uh, God, that you would you would stir us, I pray, with the truths of your word. Please, dear God, I pray, touch in this time of teaching. May you help us, dear Lord, as we try to open the Bible together, learn uh, from the truths of the pages of Scripture. And Lord, I just pray you'd make this time profitable. Lord, I realize that I can do nothing without you. Lord, I need your help. Lord God, I need you, Lord. Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit. And Lord God, I need you to, to give me what you would have for me to say, what you'd have for me to, to uh, teach to this congregation of people. And Lord, I thank you, God, for the truths of Scripture. And I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help me, Lord, as I try, uh, God, to, to, to be full to the text today. Please, God, get glory to yourself. And we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do. And Lord, we do want to pray that even as we teach on this issue, Lord, if there's someone lost, we pray pray, God, that they would realize their need of Christ and be born again. And Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do in advance. In Jesus' name, amen <clears throat> and amen. Take your Bibles with me this morning, please, to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter number 10. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10. And uh, if you are a part of our church in 2020, uh, you may be familiar with some of these things that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, but uh, if you have not, this may be something new to you. Um, but I, you know, this week we are, as we look toward Wednesday, as we begin our missions revival, and I'm excited about that. Amen. Uh, I hope you are. Uh, I'm always excited for that week. In my opinion, uh, it is one of the greatest weeks that we have here around the church. It, in my opinion, uh, it ha always has the possibility of being the best meeting that we'll have. And uh, it's always just exciting times. Amen. And uh, to be able to have missionaries in, to be able to hear about their burden for where God has called them, and uh, have, have the opportunity to, uh, to, to pray and to seek God about whether or not He would have for us to partner with these folks. And, uh, and to have them as a representative of Beacon Baptist Church in another area of the world. In our missions revival this coming Wednesday, uh, we will Wednesday through Sunday is when it'll be. Uh, we'll finish up on Sunday night. We'll have uh, evening services. All of you know this that have been here Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Then Saturday morning we'll have a special service at 10. So 7 o'clock Wednesday through Friday, 10 o'clock a.m. on Saturday. 
Saturday, uh, no evening service. We will have uh, we will have a meal uh, on Sunday, and then all day Sunday uh, we will have uh, we will have missionary presentations and missions themed messages from Sunday school all the way to Sunday night. And if you've been here the last three years, you know that. And have a few changes this year. Always try to change it up a little bit uh, each year. And uh, and and I'm excited about what God has for us this year. But one of the things that is different this year as opposed to other years uh, is uh, number one, most of the missionaries outside of outside of Brother Rose himself, uh, we support Brother Rose, but all the other missionaries that are coming in, uh, we've ne you've never met before. And uh, so you'll be needing meeting new faces every night, uh, hearing about new fields. And uh, we do have a couple of missionaries that uh, we already support a missionary uh, to either their field or with their mission board. Uh, for instance, Brother David Roth that's coming in. We have uh, several missionaries with Rock of Ages. Uh, but if you've ever if you've ever done any work with Rock of Ages, you understand uh, each of those men have uh, have uh, different roles that they play within that organization. And I think that is an organization that is a mission board. You really can never support enough of them. Amen. Uh, because they all have their individual regions and jobs and things of that nature. And uh, Brother David Roth is, uh, in, in my opinion, a, a great uh, champion for that ministry. He's been faithful for many years. But so we have someone like him. Uh, but then, uh, but so, you know, we have a few folks that we have uh, missionaries. We already have a missionary in Iceland. Uh, but Brother Larson is going to go and he's going to be a help uh, to our missionary in Iceland. So uh, it, it is almost uh, where we would be helping a co-laborer of one of our missionaries and so on and so forth with that. Uh, but most outside of those two, uh, most of the missionaries that will be coming in, uh, Beacon Baptist Church has no uh, gospel ministry uh, that, we, that we are partnered with in those regions of the world. As of right now, we don't have a missionary in Denmark. And as of right now, we don't have uh, a missionary here in the states in the city of Utah, or in the state of Utah. And, and, and so I have on purpose tried to schedule missionaries that we, if we choose to, we can partner with and be able to reach out further for the gospel's sake, both at home and abroad. Uh, we will have several U.S. missionaries uh, here with us this week, and I'm thankful for that. Because if you, if you look at the state of things in the world, uh, we have other countries now that are sending missionaries to the United States uh, because we are in need of the gospel too. And, uh, and the sad thing is, is the church here in America is not getting the gospel out like we should. And so therefore there is a great missions burden. Uh, missions is not just around the world, but missions can also can, can be uh, to the other side of the road. Amen. And so we'll see a little bit of that this week. But I want to I talk out of these verses this morning uh, with the time that I have, and many of you may have heard this before, uh, but for those of you that haven't, the Lord put this on my heart, uh, As and, and I'll be honest with you, the message I'm preaching this morning and the message that I, in Sunday school and the message I'll bring in this morning's service, uh, that you have heard me preach those texts before. You have heard me preach a thought out of those texts before. Uh, but I know beyond the shadow of any doubt that the Lord has burdened me uh, to remind us of some of these things. So this morning I want us to look at the subject here in Luke chapter number 10 and we'll read some verses together uh, but I want us to look at uh, answer the question why have a 
a missions revival? Why even have a missions conference or a time where we have missionaries in and we, uh, we do what we're going to do this week? What is the purpose of that? Let's look at Luke chapter number 10 and begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, After these things the Lord uh, appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before His face into every city and place whither He Himself would come. Therefore said He unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Uh, to answer that question, I think verse number 2 is enough, but we'll look at some other things. Look at verse 3. Jesus said, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor scrip, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. In the same house remain, eating and drinking, such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter... <coughs> And they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it is more tolerable... In that it, it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And out of these 12 verses, obviously uh, there is no way that we will a be able to preach or to teach uh, these verses in their immediate context and apply them to us today. Uh, we have to look at these verses by way of their practical application to us. Here's the reason why. These, these words of the Lord Jesus Jesus uh, were given to 70 individuals uh, during his earthly ministry uh, that were followers of Christ uh, for a job that he had for them during the days of his earthly ministry. If you study your Bible and you're a student of the New Testament, once you get out of the gospel writings, you will find out that the ministry of the, uh, the ministry of the Christian and the ministry of the local church after the book of Acts is much different than the ministry of Jesus. Uh, there are some similarities, but uh, Christ had a unique ministry for a unique time. And when you go and you look into uh, the, the arrangement of things in the gospel writings, you are still very much under an Old Testament economy. Uh, the, the, the gospels are a segue into what we would call uh, God's New Testament or the new covenant that God has made with his people. And so when we look here in these verses, we must understand understand that contextually we are talking about a singular solitary event uh, in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Jesus has ministered. Jesus has uh, done a lot of great things and I could take time and go through a lot of those but the Lord before this moment has uh, he has commissioned his disciples. He has given them their marching orders uh, to minister in, the, in uh, the Judean region in his earthly ministry and now 
he is reaching out to more of his followers, 70. Uh, he is getting more feet to the work of the ministry of Christ. And so here uh, he begins to let us know uh, he has commission for them, he has instruction for them in the ministry that he would have. However, I want us to see uh, this morning that these 70, uh, these 70 uh, uh, followers of Christ are picturesque for us. Consider this for just a moment. When you look here in both the disciples and the 70, we find a group of people that have a message from God, and the message that they have is talking about a God that everyone needs to hear about. Chapter number 9 and verse number 1 talks about uh, the disciples. Chapter number 10 and verse number 1 talks about these 70 also, that the Lord has uh, commissioned to go and spread a message about himself. So there's a group with a message from God uh, to tell everyone about who God is and what God would have for them. That sounds like a New Testament church, does it not? We have a message this morning to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then secondly, the message that they had was of eternal importance. He told them that the kingdom of God, uh, that they, they, they were, he was preaching the kingdom of God, and he was, he was to tell them that the kingdom of God had come nigh unto them. And so we understand that such a message is one of eternal importance. The message that we have today in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a message of eternal importance. So you have a group with a message from God about himself going to a people uh, to tell about a God that everyone needs to hear about. You have that message is one of eternal importance. That sounds like the church. Then you think about this, that this group is sharing the message. They are led by a single leader, the Lord Jesus, and they, 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 are, uh, they are following the one that speaks to them, that has declared the truth of God to them, that has taught them, and they are following in his leadership. Uh, that, uh, to us, pictures a church in multiple ways. Number one, uh, we have the Lord that has given us our message, and through the Holy Ghost, he gives us our instructions. But then, when you think of a leader, you think of a group of people that are hearing instructions from a leader and are being, being instructed to go out and to do uh, what God would have for them to do. It also could look like in this passage that the Lord Jesus not only is representative of God and what God does, but he can also be representative of a pastor or a preacher that is telling God's people what God said and then sending them out to, to act on what God has said. That's why we preach. That's why we teach the Word of God. That's why uh, we tell people what God said in hopes uh, and anticipation that they will do exactly what God said. You look at this group of men and you see people who have uh, been saved. They have chosen to follow the Lord. They have chosen to listen to God's Word and to do what God says. And they have received a, mission, a, a commission from God to join Christ's ministry, telling others about himself. And uh, we understand here uh, that this group pictures those of us who have had such an experience with the Lord. Who are those that have been saved? Christians are. Who are those uh, that hopefully have chosen to listen to God's Word? Believers uh, do that. Amen. Who are those that uh, would sh that should have a desire to tell others about the Lord? Believers should. Amen. So Jesus can be a picture not only of God's ministry to a church, but the pastor's ministry in a church, a leader's ministry in a church. These 70 uh, that are following the Lord are 
Ahab can represent uh, the believers in a local New Testament church. And then you think about this, this group of men, uh, including the 12 disciples and then these 70 followers of Christ, they both have specific tasks. If you look in chapter number 9 and verse number 6, the Bible says that the, the commission that God gave to the 12 disciples was that they were to go through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. If you look in chapter number 10 and verse number 1, Christ's commission to the 70 was that they were to go two and two into every city and place whither, whither he himself would come. Uh, both of these groups were following God's will for them. Both were reaching out with Christ's message for them. However, the disciples were commissioned uh, to go in the towns, to uh, have a local ministry, if you will. And then the 70, this larger group of people, they were told to go into every city and place. That, that can speak of the expanded ministry of the church, yea, even the global ministry of the church. And those of us that are saved by the grace of God and part of the New Testament church, we have a responsibility to declare Christ and His word and his gospel both at home and abroad and here we see a great picture of the local church I believe in these verses the 70 are being called here in our text to intensify the ministry efforts already in progress by the Lord Jesus and the disciples you even more specifically we can look at Jesus as as, as the, the, the spirit how the spirit of God works in a church or how God wants a, a leader, a pastor to lead a church in the ways of God. And we can more specifically see not only uh, the church in these disciples and in uh, these 70, but more specifically, we can see the disciples, those uh, that were close to the Lord, those uh, that had a regional ministry, if you will, uh, that they were responsible for. You can look at those disciples as a picture of the local church placed in a local uh, a local uh, place and location that have a responsibility to the community around them. But then I, I want us to look at this, this, this particular perspective this morning. It is interesting when you look at these 70 that have been called to intensify the ministry of Christ and really even to broaden the ministry of the disciples from the localized ministry beyond that into every city and to every place. I think we can see these 70, uh, these 70 followers of Christ, 70 disciples, if you will, uh, as uh, pictures of a missionary. Someone that, that expands and goes beyond the ministry of the disciples in their local uh, area, in their, in their particular assignment. And they go beyond into places to where the twelve have not been called to go. Yes, we as a local church have a responsibility to send the gospel to the regions beyond. But God has not called us at Beacon Baptist Church uh, to have uh, this particular local church in Denmark or in Utah or, or in Iceland or in Brazil. But God birthed this church here because we have a responsibility to this mission field and then we support others and we have others that we partner with to go beyond. These 70 can represent that. And so as we look at these 70 as, as a representation of our missionaries in our missions program, I want to look at them and see how they answer for us this morning 
morning the question of why have a missions revival. And I'm going to have to hurry through a lot of these things. But number one, let me say this. We need to have a missions revival or a missions conference. We need to have this week, every single year, even if we cut off a revival meeting here and there, even if we cut off a special Sunday here and there, we need a revival meeting more than we need a homecoming or more than we need a special Sunday or, or something of that, or uh, some kind of promotion day or anything like that. We need a missions revival more than any of those things. Why? Number one, because souls matter. You want to talk about things that matter? On the top of that list should be the souls of men, women, boys, and girls. Souls matter. I believe this thought should go without saying as we sit here this morning in a Bible-believing church filled with Christians who supposedly love the Lord Jesus. If you love Jesus, you'll love what Jesus loves, and Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves souls. It should go without saying that we, as His children, will love what He loves, but sadly that is not always the case. So we need, we need uh, things like mission conferences and mission revivals to encourage us where we are so often uh, focused on just how we have tunnel vision for just our little space and our little world and our little responsibilities. And it takes weeks like the one that we're going to have this week that gets our eyes just simply off of all of the things that we deal with and realize that there are more important things than just what we have going going on in our week. There is a world filled with sinners here in our, in our city, in our state, and all around the world there are places that are filled with sinners that if the gospel does not get to them, if a soul winner does not get to them, uh, they will die and go to hell without Christ. And that ought to be the burden of every child of God. It is the burden of our Savior. Second Peter 3, 9 says that He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The, the reason why we have a missions revival is to connect our heart with the heart of God to where we get to the point to where we are not willing that any should perish and that we would be willing to put not only our heart where it ought to be, but to put our, our finances where they ought to be in God's work and God's missions program so we can do more for the cause of Christ. Why? Because souls matter. Souls matter more than that latest subscription service. Souls matter more than Netflix and Hulu. Souls matter more than the restaurants that we go to and more than the, than the things that we have. And you, if you really look at your budget with those things, they really can pile up if we're not careful. And the fact of the matter is, is souls matter more than any of that. Souls, we should, we say this morning that we understand that souls matter. And part of the reason why we know that is because souls matter to Jesus. Notice with me real quickly the Lord's love for souls. Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 20. The Bible says this in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God. Notice this now. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you remember what the Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says about Christ? 
offering himself. The Bible says, but God commended or demonstrated, commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The gift that Christ gave to the world was himself, and he did it according to Galatians 2.20 because he loved us, and he loved us individually. Paul said, he loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 1. The Bible tells us, the Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 5 says this about the Lord, that he is Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. And the Bible says this, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. If he washed me from my sins and he can wash the world from their sins, that means the world is filled with sinners. But there is a Savior that loves the souls of men and women so much that he did something about it and he gave himself so that they could be washed clean from sin. We should love souls because Jesus loves souls. I don't have time to get into this as much as I would like to. We know Jesus loved souls. His love was for souls. His life was for souls. The Bible says in Luke 19, 10, the Bible tells us, amen, that he's come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 3, amen, in verse number 17, amen, the Bible says there in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through his death, through his sacrifice might be saved. Amen. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number 13, the Bible says, and go ye and learn what that meaneth, Jesus said and I will have mercy and not sacrifice for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The whole life of the Lord Jesus and the 33 and a half years of his earthly life and all of the existence of his uh, eternal uh, existence, amen, has been a life that has been for souls. His love was for souls. His life was for souls. His last words were for souls. In Luke 23, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In John 19 30 he said it is finished on the cross. He paid for every sin that I had ever committed and ever would commit. He paid for the sins of the entire world and when he cried it is finished the sin debt was paid in full. Amen. His love was for souls. His life was for souls. His last words decried his love for souls. Amen. We should know that sinners that souls matter because they matter to Jesus and so therefore they should matter to every Christian. Think about this. Notice, think about this when you think about souls. Notice in the text in verse number one the places that Christ mentions. Verse number one he says every city and place every city and place there were souls that Jesus died for. 
Notice Christ commissions the 70 to go to every city and place. They were to heal the sick. They would draw large crowds of lost souls to the ministry of Christ by the performing of miracles. And then it was there that they would preach to them. Everywhere they go, there were sinners in need of truth. And everywhere we go, there are sinners in need of truth. Jesus, knowing this great need, sent missionaries, if you will. These 70s were not just disciples or followers of the Lord, but they were missionaries. This is one of the first missionary calls of the Lord Jesus before there ever was a great commission. There was a commission of these 70 as Christ sent these men forth, sent these individuals forth as missionaries because he cares for souls. We see the places that Christ mentioned. We see the preparation that Christ mentioned. He said there in verse number 1, whither he, was, whither he himself would come. He says in verse number 9, that they were to go and say that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Their message was simple, that Christ has come to you, and that Jesus is, or that the kingdom of God has come to you, and that Jesus is on his way. Their message was one of preparation. They were literally going into the areas that they went into and said, make sure you're ready. Jesus is coming. He's on his way. He said that they would go, they would go to the places whither Jesus would come. In other words, Jesus is coming behind. Jesus is coming behind them. And their message was, make sure you're ready for Jesus to come. I wonder this evening how many times we share that message to let a world know that there is a Savior that not only has come, but is coming. Amen. Jesus here, He had come into the world, but He was coming to them. Friend, we have a Savior who has come, who has paid the sin debt, but that He's coming again. And all of those that hear us need to hear the message that we have a Savior that's coming again, and they will come whether they're ready or not. We see here the place that Christ mentions. We see the preparation that Christ mentions. And then we see the plenteousness that Christ mentioned there in verse number 2. He said, the harvest truly is great. Here the Lord is confirming the immensity of their task. He says that the harvest truly is great. Amen. Uh, uh, Matthew Henry said that this means that the corn is ready to ship and much may be lost if there are not enough hands to take care of the harvest. Can I tell you when Jesus is telling us. He said, truly the harvest is great. And then he said, but the laborers are few. What he is saying is, unless there are more laborers that are going into the harvest and covering the harvest, there will be uh, there will be there will be some uh, that are lost. Amen. There will be some that will go by the wayside. Amen. And be destroyed. That is the message of Christ. That there is a plenteousness of sin and therefore there must be a plenteousness of soul winners and servants to go and to reach them with the gospel. This, 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 this morning, trying to figure out what time of the day it is, amen, this morning, we as a church have the privilege of supporting 59 servants to, to go 
out from our church. We have the opportunity this week, if God will bless and God will help, I would love to, I would love for us as a church to be able to take on every missionary that comes in here this week. I'd love to see us get closer to that 70 number that Christ chose here to be the initial number of folks that he sent out into the cities and villages. I, I, don't, I don't know if that could, uh, that could let us know that maybe once we hit 70, amen, that can, we can really start making a, a huge impact for Christ. Christ chose 70 to be his initial number before he sent all believers with the great commission with the gospel. But here we find that there is a great need. There are so many sinners that there must be many more servants. But the, the, the sad state of affairs is this, that since the time of Christ and even today, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. I wonder if there might be somebody here this morning that God would tap upon your heart to say, I want to be a laborer. I, 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 love, I love to see and to hear about God calling missionaries to serve. Uh, one of my dear friends from my home church that's preached here and come and sang in this pulpit. The Lord last week called him to be a missionary. He's about to start deputy. He'll be here this week, not as one of the missionaries that we have coming in to present. He hasn't even started deputation yet. But Brother Drew Wannon, God has called him to go and to help our missionary, Brother Ben Cooley, out in Oregon. And uh, God has had that on his heart for several months. We We've been praying with him about that. He just surrendered to go. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to see somebody from Beacon Baptist Church surrender to go to the mission field? And even though all, losing, losing someone out of your congregation is always tough, but how wonderful it would be to realize that we're not losing them, but we're sending them as a light out of our church, as a representative out of our church, as a soul winner and a servant, because souls matter. Do you know why this church supports Brother Lewis every month to go in the prisons like he does, not only here in Lexington, but then help out other Rock of Ages missionaries? Because the souls of those prisoners matter. So we need to send a missionary to them. Why are we sending Brother Kyle and the folks that go with him? We send them out. We don't support them as missionaries, but we send them out as missionaries into that nursing home. It's because even at 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, the souls of those individuals matter. Souls matter, but then secondly, I've got to mention this, servants matter. Why have a missions revival? It's about souls, yes, but a missions revival is just as much about uh, souls as it is servants. Servants matter. The entirety of this passage is about the servants that Christ commissioned. I've already explained to you how these 70 represent what we would call today a missionary. I've, I've talked to you about a missions revival, and the reason why we have a missions revival is because these missionary servants that God is commissioning to go beyond their towns and local churches to reach the lost souls beyond where we are. It is, it is an endeavor that truly does matter. There's nothing more precious than the human soul. And I believe that those who are saying yes to God's call to reach them have to be individuals that matter. I submitted to you the very first year, the, the year that I originally preached some of these thoughts to you. And, and, uh, and of course, today I've, I've, I've taken a lot out and I've just tried to remind us of some things that I feel like is very important. But, but the, the last, the, the, when, we, when we originally started having this missions revival in 2020, three years ago when we had that first missions revival, the, one of the first statements, the reason why I mentioned that I believe that we needed to have, some, have, uh, the, to have uh, that missions revival is because 
the servants, the missionaries. I believe that missionaries and people that surrender to God's will and give everything they have to God should truly be the heroes of every person in this building. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be athletes, shouldn't be sports stars, shouldn't be celebrities. It ought to be people who have surrendered wholeheartedly to the call of God upon their life. And they said, they say, I'm willing to leave behind family and friends and finances and comfort. I think about, I think, and not a missionary, but I think about some preachers. I think about Brother Mark Stroud. I heard him preach in a meeting yesterday afternoon. I think about Brother Mark. Mark Brother Mark was a, was, a, was a banking manager. Not I'm not talking about at a local bank. I'm talking about making over six, over six figures a year on the higher end when he decided to become a pastor. And to, and to be somewhere every night of his life preaching the gospel, preaching the Bible in a church somewhere. He walked away from that. Our missionary, Brother Stephen Sykes, was, 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 was the top of the line of leadership of a Fortune 500 company when he decided to surrender his life to missions and go, and, and go uh, to New Mexico to be a missionary and to start churches. And he left, uh, he left a Fortune 500 company and he went to be a missionary with no promises of making anything. Those people ought to be our heroes. Why do they matter? Why should God's servants matter so much, especially those that will come in this week? Number one, because they are doing what few are doing. Look at verse number two. The Bible said, therefore he said unto them, the harvest truly is great. Notice this now, but the laborers are few. They matter because they're part of a group that the Bible here says are few. They're doing what few others are doing. I don't. I, I love. I love. I, I love Brother McBriar, our missionary. But can I say this? There's not a whole lot of missionaries, and I know we're on camera, so I'm not going to say it out loud. But you know where you know where he is. Uh, there's not a whole lot of people knocking down the doors to go there. And to all the places that he's going, there's not a whole lot of not a whole lot of people that are looking to get into some of the places that he's looking to get into. There, and I, you know, you could you could go on and on with the different missionaries. They're not there's very few doing what some of these guys are doing. Brother Bobby Stewart, our missionary that works in D.C. I don't know of a whole lot of people that are interested in spending a lot of time with some of those folks. I'm not trying to get political, but there's a lot of folks that many of us wouldn't care to have lunch with. And he'll go and spend time with them and talk to them. And, and praise God for that. Amen. One of the darkest places in our country is Washington, D.C. Right. Right. They're doing what few others are doing. Think about this, verse number two. They are, they are called as an answer to the prayers. Of the, to the, they're called as an answer to the Lord's prayer request. In Luke chapter number 10 and verse number two, we find a prayer request of the Lord Jesus. He said, pray ye therefore, in the middle part of verse 2, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus prayed a prayer and encouraged the people of God to pray that prayer as well. It ought to be something I believe every Christian prays every day. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers in his harvest. Each and every one of those eight brand new missionaries that will be coming in the door this week, they are an answer to the Lord's prayer request here in Luke chapter number 10. And if you have prayed like the Lord commissioned us to pray, the very fact that they have surrendered to go is an answer to your prayers. That's why they matter. They are walking answered prayers. Hallelujah to God. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, go ye, go your ways 
Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. The third reason why servants matter is this, because they are sent places that others would not go. And they're put in situations that others wouldn't want to be in. He said, I'm sending you forth as lambs among wolves. What an uncomfortable situation to be in. There's nothing more dangerous than a lamb in the midst of wolves. Notice the Bible says this, I send you forth as lambs, plural, among wolves. These wolves, this pack of wolves, or this large group of wolves, they see all those lambs, they look at it as a feeding frenzy. And there are some times where these missionaries are going to places where the devil wants nothing more. And the people that are under the influence of the devil, they want nothing more than to eat them up and spit them out. But they've surrendered to go. I think about Brother Tony Wood, our missionary. I can't be being online. I can't tell you where he's going. But if you if you know where he's going, then you know. For him being an open Christian, they would chop his head off. But he's still going. Left a pastor of 16 years to go to a closed nation to where he knows that he could lose his life for the gospel. They matter because they're willing to go into situations that we wouldn't want to be put in. They matter, verse 4, because they go with less than most would be willing to go. Verse 4 says, carry neither person nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way. They are told to go with very little. And these missionaries, many of them go to the field. Uh, they, go, they, they spend time uh, on deputation. And many times they'll leave to go to the field very much so under supported because the harvest is great and they need to be on the field whether they have the money to afford to be there or not. They just try to trust God by faith. That's the case more often than you'll ever care to know. Number, number next, they're ministering in places where God has not called us to go. You think about this, verse number 4, the Bible says, Carry neither person nor script nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And whatsoever house you enter, first say, Peace to be this house. All throughout this text, verse number 8, Whatsoever city you enter, if they receive you, eat such things are set before you. You go through these, and they're talking about places where they're being told to go. They are, they're ministering places where we have not been called to go. And so therefore, they should matter because time is so short to get the gospel out. And they're able to go when God hasn't called us there. God's called them there. You think about how little they have to go with. Verse number 4, they have to go even though they didn't have time to gather extra possessions. Verse 4, you know, the, the last part of verse number 4, they have to go even though they're not given time to give. Uh, they're not, they don't have time to have extravagant pleasantries. He says, salute no man, by the way. In other words, he's saying, don't waste any time. Don't waste any time with greetings that do not matter. You're on a mission from God. Do that which is most important. They matter because... They matter because they're doing what few, few others do. They're called to give it as an answer to the Lord's prayer requests and ours. They're sent to places where we wouldn't want to go, put in situations we wouldn't want to be in. They go with much less than we'd be willing to go to, and they're ministering in our stead for places that we haven't been called to go to. Since they matter so much, then, how, what, then what should we do for them? Number one, we should pray for them. I don't have time to get into all of this, but verse number 2, Jesus gives that prayer request and tells us to pray for them to be sent. If Jesus is telling us to pray for them to be sent, don't you think Jesus would want us to pray once they are sent? In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 25, the Apostle Paul, probably one of the greatest missionaries to ever live, he had his missionary journeys throughout the New Testament, three, at least three missionary journeys. In 1 Thessalonians 5.25, Paul said, brethren, pray for us. You can hear the heart of a missionary in those words. Brethren, pray for us. 
every missionary that is worth his salt that I have ever met. The second thing we should we should we can do for them is partner with them. To give to, to, to partner financially with them to try to take care of them. But every missionary I've ever met that's worth their salt would say this more than your money, we need your prayers. Their cries, brethren, pray for us. Every missionary you'll hear this week in the conference, you know what they're gonna say? Brethren, pray for us. Here we see this morning, souls matter. Servants matter. We are to partner with them. We are to provide for them. Verse 7, he said, in verse number 8, he wanted, he said, for, he talked about those who would receive them. That speaks of partnering. And verse number 7, he says, such things as they give. And also in verse 7, talks about their hire. That's talking about provisions for the missionary, things that are given, things that, that take care of their needs. Thirdly, why have a missions revival? Not only because souls matter and servants matter, but because stewardship matters. Here throughout these verses we see references to what they have been received and that they're being paid their hire and those financial things uh, that need to take place. I believe we'll, we'll talk more about it this morning. But the missions revival, part of the way that we're taught in a missions revival is not just encouragement with souls and trying to get us aligned with the needs of servants but to try to, to be good stewards of what God has given us. And to try to, to have stewardship, not just to our power, but beyond our power, as the Macedonians gave us, or as the Macedonians gave us that example, to give by faith. To be stewards with what God has given us, but to be stewards of what God can give us by faith. And so that is how, and we'll deal more with that later, but 2 Corinthians tells us that's how we can give. That is how we can, uh, that we, we can be good stewards of what God has given us. Faith promise for missions provides a church with a way to do with what it's been commanded. Faith promise for missions will develop an unselfish people that, are, that will say, as Acts 20 verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I'm telling you this week, if you will seek God, your heart will be such as it will say, God, I want to be a giver this week. I want to be, I, I'm willing to sacrifice because what they're doing with, with my money is a whole lot more than what I could do with my money. And so therefore you say, I'd rather give it to them and see what they, what they can do with what God has given me. It's more blessed, Jesus said, to give than to receive. Faith promise for missions guarantees that God, and I don't have time to deal with this. You guys have to look at Philippians 4, 10 through 19, especially, especially verse 19 where the Bible says uh, that God will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. That is not, that we use that to speak of any need that we have, but in context it's talking about the needs of Paul as a missionary. If you give to God's work, you give to God's missionary, you give to, you give in faith promise, God is promising he'll take care of your needs. If you take care of his servants, God will take care of you. God said, I will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Faith promise for missions guarantees that God will meet all of the needs of the church. Faith promise for missions giving will increase our faith. Many times in missions programs and missions conferences, you'll have people that'll say, well, I can't afford to give to missions. The only people that still say that are people who have never tried. Because I assure you this, 
over these last three years, I think we could go around the building and find testimony after testimony. If you diligently tried to be a giver to missions, God will not only make sure that you can give your missions offering, that you give by faith, God will make sure you can give that. But also at the same time, He'll let you know at the end of the year, when you come to this week again next year, it wasn't as difficult as you thought it was. And you can go up. You can not only increase your offering, but why can you do that? Because God's increased your faith. God's learned, God has taught you that you can trust Him. You can trust Him with finances. You can trust Him with every other area of life. If God has your pocketbook, He'll have every other part of you. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Why have a missions revival? Because souls matter. Because servants matter. Because stewardship matters. Let's pray. Father, we sure do love you today. Thank you, Lord, for how good you are to us each and every day. I pray in the name of Jesus that you speak to our hearts, Lord, as only you can. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time together. Lord, I realize that, Lord, that there's some that have heard, but others may not have. And I just pray, Lord, I know that you burdened me with these things today. God, every time I tried to study something else, you brought my mind to these texts and these into these thoughts. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us, God, to have to 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 have the promise that you gave uh, to Peter, Lord, when you said in his writings, it would stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. I pray, dear God, that you do that today. Please, God, have your will in your way. Father, see us, uh, Lord, into the service. Lord, in your will, may you, may you touch everything that's said and done may be pleasing to you. Bless these next few moments before we have church here in just a few minutes. Bless the fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for our church in these days. And Lord, we do pray as we look forward to a wonderful missions month this month and a wonderful missions revival, missions conference starting on Wednesday night. Lord, we look forward to, to your abounding blessings as only you can give them. Lord, we look forward to seeing you work supernatural and spiritual miracles in this place this week. And God will give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a few minutes. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Jesus,